0: this is the one thing you can control you cannot control people who are going to be faster than you because god made them faster there are going to be people who went to the finest schools in the world and they will likely have more knowledge than you because you couldn't afford to go to an ivy league school there will be people who are going to be bigger than you taller than you like in your case There will be people who are better athletes than you. There are people who will be more educated than you. All of those things are things that you can't control. But there is one thing. There is one thing in life that we can control above all others. Work. You can do more work than the next guy. This is the Rick Sanchez podcast. And I guess that would make me Rick Sanchez. And I'm so glad... That you're there, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you uh, for wanting to hear some of the lessons that I think can make a difference in our lives. It's made a difference in my life, and I think it's important, especially with everything that's going on right now. Um, as I've often said, I've been lucky enough that I was born like as an immigrant, a refugee who came to America, ended up in the United States, but poor. My parents were. I hate using words like this, but it's what it was, right? Poverty stricken. I grew up in a barrio, but I went on to interview four presidents, become a top anchor at CNN and NBC, worked at Fox, um, created a billion dollar business. And all of these things have happened in my life, despite the fact that I'm so incredibly imperfect. And weak in so many ways, and have failed so many times, and will continue to do so, by the way. So, it's from those things that I decide that there are certain things I've learned in life that you have to have. And we've talked about a lot of these. And today I want to talk about discipline. Discipline. Consistent discipline. Maybe the best way to get into this is to share a story with you. So, I told you that I was a journalist. And when I started off as a journalist, I used to be a reporter. It's called a cop beat reporter. A cop beat reporter is that guy who goes out on the street and talks to police officers about, well, what they used to call journalistically the crime blotter. Crime blotter means that you cover uh, murders and you cover robberies and you cover anything that happens which goes under the heading of crime. And you get sent out there to investigate it. And you talk to police officers and you get the information and you file a story. I did it on television. So it made it more interesting. And one of the things I learned when I did this, and this is a lesson unto itself, is to be good at what you do, you have to create great relationships with people. And I created really solid relationships with police officers. They trusted me. So when I got to the scene and I asked them what was going on, usually by sharing a cigarette with them, that's how we used to do it in the old days, they felt compelled to tell me what was going on. And they weren't going to tell this story. This is off the record stuff, but they would say, here's what happened. And then they'd share with me a picture or a piece of information that would give me an advantage all over all the other reporters who were working at that time. And that's what separates some reporters from others. It's called sourcing, right? It's your sources. It's the same in business. It's the same anything you do, If you create good relationships and you have good sources, those sources provide you with unique information that you use, which gives you value. And that's how I was able to do that. But because I want to talk a little bit about discipline today, I want to tell you a story about something that happened one day. Because police officers trusted me, one day I arrived on the scene and just like in so many other occasions where they took me to see the murder victims or where the shooting took place, or they'd show me the weapon and point to it and say, look, get a picture of that with your camera, or hide behind that tree because something's about to go down, or it's gonna be a by bust or a sting. But on this occasion, it was different. And I don't know, but I'll never forget this. And I wanna share this with you. I wanna share this story with you because it's stuck in my head. And it's the story I use to understand what discipline is. So one day I arrived on this little apartment near the Miami River, it's kind of a seedy area, but still people paid a lot of money because they lived along the Miami River, which opens up into Biscayne Bay, which opens up into the Atlantic Ocean. And they told me to come to a certain location and I arrived at that location. And then they said, come with us, but stay behind us. They were gonna show me a crime scene. And I've seen all kinds of crime scenes. I've seen murders, like I said, and I've seen the drug deals that had gone down and I've seen a lot of robberies and everything you could imagine and then some. But this was the most unique thing that I was about to see. We went up the stairs, step by step, got to this area where there's like this overhang and then we had to go through three floors or about three doors, pardon me, to where there was an open door where the police were there waiting for the guys who would further the investigation to come in, but they wanted me to see it. And I thought, what is it they want me to see? And we kind of developed a relationship by then where they knew they could trust me. And I guess they thought this was really odd, but they wanted to share it with me the same way a friend wants to share something. They said, you can't bring the camera. Because that would have been a violation of the person's privacy, the person that I was about to see. So I went, got to that overhang, then made a left, passed those three doors. And on the fourth door that was open, I walked in with the officer. And I looked in and saw first, I had to overcome the smell. And then I saw this man. He was sitting in a chair like he was watching television. There were like two six-packs on the ground. The television was still on, but he had been dead now for at least three or four days. He died sitting there watching television, drinking beer. (laughs) And I'll never forget the television at this point was playing a local channel And the news was coming on, and it reminded me that that's kind of what I did for a living, and it was like surreal for me. It was like my own profession was being played back. This guy who I was there watching was probably watching me before I got there because he had Channel 7 on, which was a station that I worked for. But I thought to myself in that moment, and it's hit me throughout my life to see a guy who obviously did this a lot. His life seemed to be coming home at some point, sitting in front of the TV, literally like five feet away, on a sofa-type chair, recliner, with a six-pack and a half of beer where he would watch TV and drink beer. And he literally died doing that horrible habit that he had gotten used to day in and day out. He died from a bad habit. He died from a lack of discipline. And that's why I think this is so important, because as I think now of the things that can make a person good, and we've talked about a lot of these things as we talk about our own life lessons. Very few are more important than consistent discipline. And when I say consistent, there is a difference because discipline by itself is, oh, yeah, this coming year, I'm going to make a resolution and last two weeks and a month later or two weeks later, or in some cases, a couple of hours or three days later, it's gone. That's not consistent discipline. It's consistent discipline, self-discipline. It's about Uh, accomplishing your goals, right? It's about time management. It's about leadership. It's about parenting. It's about relationships. And in all of those things, you need a certain amount of discipline where you make a decision that you're going to do it like this every day. And to have that discipline to say, okay, I am going to go out and I am going to do not watching TV not having that second drink at the end of the day or that third glass of wine, not staying up late, not sleeping till 10 o'clock or noon. No, you get up at the same day, same time every day. You make sure you go to sleep at, a sa- at the same time. You make sure you discipline yourself not to put the wrong things in your body. You make sure that you do the right amount of exercise every day. You make sure that if you make an appointment, you match that appointment. That's consistent discipline. And it's the difference between success and a lack of success. And it's about conquering that little voice in the heart, that fear, that thing that asks us, you know, how do we overcome our own sense of fear? How do we come overcome our own sense of hopelessness? That lack of honesty that we sometimes feel, that sense of exaggeration that we sometimes use to convince ourselves that we can do things that we know we can't, right? Or aren't even good for us. And, and let me just say this, and th- this is an important part of this because I always like creating a uh, concrete description a word picture, if you will. Think of it as a chain, right? Think of habits. Think of discipline or lack thereof as a chain. What happens in your life when you accumulate all those things? When you wake up every day beyond the time you knew you were supposed to wake up. When you go to sleep, right, much later than you knew you were supposed to go to sleep. When you take that third or fourth beer or that second beer, that third glass of wine that you know was not something you were supposed to do with dinner. When you eat too much, when you fail to, all of those little things are chains. And you build a chain. Each one is a link. And every time you do that, that chain gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's a bad chain, but it's a very strong bad chain. How do you change that bad chain into a good chain? by changing each one of the links one by one. Even if it's the first step, I'm gonna get up at 6 a.m. Cha-ching, one chain. And you gotta do it every day for a long period of time before the old chain is replaced with the new chain. Same as lacking the drink, same as the exercise, same as what you would do to make sure that you can uh, not stay up too late. All of those things, using the right language, using positive language instead of negative language when you talk to the people you love, whether it's the people you work with or the people who are part of your family. That's how you change. That's consistent discipline is action. It's action. It's literally changing a bad chain filled with links, which represent all the things that we do wrong or can do wrong. And I still do wrong. So don't don't take this the wrong way. I'm certainly not trying to say that uh, I've gotten rid of every single bad chain in my life. They're still there, but it's, it's being cognizant. It's knowing the difference between that bad chain, which, by the way, it's just as strong as the good chain. Some would argue even stronger. Hard to break that bad chain when it's been filled with years and years of bad links, but you have to build the good one on top of it. And you can only do it with discipline, but discipline only works if it's consistent. That's consistent discipline. It's one of the most important things that I've realized in anybody. I don't know a successful human being with the exception perhaps of people who were just handed a lot of money and didn't have to do shit in their lives, but I've never known a self-starter, a successful human being who's actually been able to accomplish this in their life without consistent discipline. Consistent discipline. And that's what winners do. I want to introduce you to one. I'm so excited. Somebody just dropped in who I want to talk to who's exactly what we're talking about and exactly the type of person that we learn from. I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist all my life, so I deal, in fact, I also deal in Latino truths. Latino Truths. And I'm going to introduce you to Latino now. who's going to blow you away. His name is Ruben Gonzalez. He's a motivational speaker. And man, he is killing it. I was reading what people are writing about him and what people have said after they meet him and after they hear him give a representation um, of what he's been able to accomplish in his life and how he's been able to do it. And I'm talking business leaders, Fortune 500 companies. And by the way, one one of the things that this guy Reuben did in his life, which is so cool, is he became an Olympic athlete. <laughs> now, h- how many people do you know? One day, decide, you know what? I'm going to become a, a, an Olympic athlete. And this guy, this guy becomes an Olympic athlete because it was his goal. You think? And you you think he did it because he he slept till noon? think he did it because he stayed up with his buddies at a bar drinking beer until, until uh, three o'clock in the morning or whatever the hell. Now, Ruben Gonzalez joins us now. And uh, Ruben, what a pleasure, man. How are you?
1: Hey, good. Uh, nice surprise today. Your uh, producer called me and I don't know what made me uh, answer the phone because I thought it was going to be one of those robocalls, but I pressed and we got to talking and that was just a couple hours ago. So how about that?
0: Well, I... <laughs> I'm so lucky to have you. Um, I want to learn from you. Uh, I want to understand uh, the things that I work on every day. I spend so much of my time and so much of this show talking about the qualities that make us better, the qualities that get us from point A to point B. And and you've not only been able to manifest that with your accomplishments, but now you go around uh, talking about that. You know, Scotty, you're there, right? Scotty and I, I Scotty, Scotty's my buddy. Yes, yes. We, 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 we talk about this on the show all the time, about what is that special thing that it takes to get somebody over the top. Uh, I, was, I was watching one of your uh, presentations and, and you were talking about the genesis of what made you decide that you were going to go to the Olympics. And it was not like most people who go to the Olympics who are kind of born into it. You're far from that, right?
1: Yeah, I'm an unlikely Olympian. Uh, you'd expect an Olympian to be a great athlete. And I was always the last kid picked for PE in school. I, I've got a lot of heart, but but no body, a little bit like Rudy. And uh, when I was 10, I saw the Olympics on TV for the first time, and I was hooked. I thought, that's my adventure. That's what I want to do. But it was a pipe dream because, uh, you know, I was on the bench for kickball, so Olympics looked a little bit impossible. And uh, my dad got me to read books. He said, "Study the lives of great people. If you'll uh, uh, if you'll follow their footsteps, you can reach your dream." And what I kept seeing was perseverance, right over and over. I just kept seeing that they were just a bunch of hardheads, right. <laughs> and uh, my mom always called me a hardhead, so I thought, "Hey, maybe I have a little bit of what it takes." And by Nick, by um, by high school, my nickname was high, was um, uh, Bulldog because other kids started noticing that I was tenacious. And when I was twenty one. I'm watching the Olympics on TV again. I see Scott Hamilton, the the figure skater, yeah. with the gold medal. He's five foot tall, 110 pounds, soaking wet. He gave me hope. Everything changed in my mind. I thought if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'll be in the next Olympics. It's a done deal. I just have to find a sport. And uh, success is a, is a decision, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sooner or later, uh, you uh, get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you make that decision. It's, uh, I tell people it's like Rocky. You know, uh Rocky won, he's been knocked down all throughout the movie, and then finally, you know, he, he gets mad and they start playing that music, and you know something's about to happen. He says, I ain't going down no more. And and you gotta have the Rocky moment, right? To uh uh to to change your life. That's that's where it starts. That's the genesis, like you said.
0: Yeah, but the here's where uh I'm curious. You make that decision, I'm gonna do this, and a lot of people have. And Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. The, the difference between other people who've made decisions in their life to change, to win, to find a goal, et cetera, and you is you were able to meet that decision by doing something on a daily basis. Now, that goes back to how I started this podcast today, which is trying to get a full and thorough understanding of what consistent discipline is. What's your version of that, and how did you manifest it?
1: Consistent and persistent, right? Consistent and persistent, and it's uh, and it's and success is not just a decision; it's a quality decision. It's a promise you make to yourself, right? It's mm. a vow where you're going to lose face with yourself, and you're going to regret it the rest of your life, right? If you don't you don't follow through, and um, you know what what people always will say, oh, you uh, uh, You Olympic athletes, you're so disciplined. You've got so much willpower. I hear that a lot. And I think that what looks like uh, discipline and willpower from the outside is really passion and desire on the inside. If you're passionate enough, if you want it badly enough, right, Mm -hmm. uh, then you'll do what you you get to the point where you're willing to do whatever it takes for whatever for, for as long as it takes to get the job done and that doesn't mean stepping on other people i'm talking about you know legal ethical long term thinking right uh, no 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 burning uh, relationships but um, it's a decision and then you get to the point i remember that you know when you have a a, a goal right that you're fired up about and and you know that's the, the the number one thing in your life yeah uh i remember somebody offered me a piece of chocolate cake every decision became easy it was chocolate cake olympics Chocolate cake. Oh, forget it. I'll take the Olympics. Right, mm-hmm. and so desire for something, you know, uh, intense desire, right, burning <laughs> desire, will will makes your decision making uh, easier, easier. Everything, every decision you make is whether it's going to get you closer. And then,
0: uh, can I stop here? I, I want to stop you for yeah, a minute please, because yeah, I'm, I'm he- no, no. I'm I'm hearing you <laughs> tell this decision you made. You were like, you were like a dog with a bone. Nothing was going to get in your way. That chocolate cake, the hell with the chocolate cake. If I take, if I eat that chocolate cake, it's one step less that I'm taking toward my goal of reaching the Olympics. Now, those are all beautiful words and perseverance is a gorgeous word and I believe in it too. But what was the action what were you actually doing on a daily basis to accomplish your goal? What time were you waking up? How many hours were you working out? Tell me about that. I want to know.
1: Sure. sure. Uh so I I see Scott Hamilton. This is February of uh of 1984. Sarajevo Winter Olympics. I see him on TV, I get, you know, I realize if he can do it, I can do it. Now, uh I I got to find a sport i've got a i've got a goal with a deadline in four years i'm either in or out and so i i went to the library i got a big book about the olympics first i looked at the list of the summer sports took me five minutes to realize you got to be superman to do any of this stuff no Mm -hmm. way then i started looking at the winter sports and the analytical side of my brain kicked in i thought my nickname's bulldog that's my superpower right perseverance tenaciousness i'm not a great athlete and so i need to find a sport that fits that, right? I have to base my plan on my strengths. And so I thought I need to find a sport that's so tough, a sport that's got so many broken bones in it, there'll be lots of quitters, right? Only I won't quit. I'll make it to the top on the attrition, right? And so I headed down to ski jump, bobsled and luge, I picked the luge. I lived in Houston, Texas, okay? Uh, uh, winter sports capital of the world. And, uh, I didn't even know where the luge track was. So I wrote Sports <laughs> Illustrated a letter, and they right. actually wrote back. They said a Lake Placid, New York. I called them up, and, and I got myself into a camp. At first, they wouldn't let me in. They said, you're 21. You should have 10 years' experience. There's no way. But uh, one of my coaches uh, – reminded me once, he says, you were so smart to take action right away hmm. when you were excited, right? Before the excitement wore off. Because most people, they wait and they question themselves and uh, and they quit before they even get started.
0: Paralysis so by analysis. You're absolutely you right. One of the right. biggest things that destroys dreams is paralysis hmm. by analysis. We think yeah. about it, we examine it we look at it upside down, then we turn it sideways, then we get on our heads. Yeah. Now two weeks, three weeks, a month has passed and now it's like, eh, what's next? You're yeah. absolutely yeah, you're right. Anymore. Yeah, you're, you're, strike you're, you're when it's hot.
1: Great, great gone. advice,
0: great advice, keep uh, my, going.
1: My, um, my my, first coach, my first um, speaking mentor, He, uh, both he and I were copier salesmen in, in a previous life. And uh he said, Reuben, just throw mud on the wall. Some of it is gonna stick. We can clean up the mess later. Okay. <laughs> and so perfectionists don't try to be perfect. Perfectionists never get anything done because they always wait for everything to be perfect. Nothing's ever gonna be perfect. Done is better than perfect. Jump and the net will appear. Just do it. And um and and that's been my uh my way always. And then you always look for the mentor, you look for the coach, you look for someone that's been through that minefield, right? Somebody that can show you the way. Uh, I wrote, I just wrote a book called the, uh, the shortcut, right. And there's actually a shortcut to success. Okay. And, uh, remind me if you would, uh, just, uh, Scotty, if you'll send me the, the, um, the address, I'll send you both a copy. That'd be oh, great. But, yeah. yeah. That'd so, be great. But uh, by the, by the way, is... you just,
0: you just said another pearl of wisdom that I, that I'm writing down and maybe Scotty, you're writing it down yeah. and maybe you're writing it down if you're listening to this conversation, but of success is just getting up in the morning. It's 80% of success is showing up you you got you just got to get up and you got to do it you you can have a goal but if you don't take that first step you're not going to accomplish the goal and so many people oh. take that for granted man they're they're sitting there trying to figure out the 15th step without taking the first one you take that first step every single day and you have an 80% chance of being able to accomplish what you hope to accomplish and that's what you just said right there Rubenitsky. that's what you just said great stuff keep yeah. going uh, uh.
1: Well, you start doing things that will help you take that first step, right? For example, you have your, your tennis shoes and your workout gear and your bag ready by your bed mm-hmm. the night before, right? So it's one less step you have to take when you get off the bed. It's, it's looking at you, right? And your that. workout buddy's waiting for you at the gym, right? Don't do it on your own. Buddy up. And uh, so the two things my dad always preached was the books you read and the people you hang around. You want to associate with people. We've already done what you want to do right mm-hmm. we're ahead of you and so what happens you, if you do that you 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 pick up their habits right whoever you hang around with you pick up their habits mm-hmm. and so if you want to lose 10 pounds hang around some skinny people okay all the time <laughs> and you, you, you'll be riding bikes you'll be eating salad i mean the the, the the weight will melt off and you won't even notice it because you picked up the habits that lead to that destination and so Go ahead. I know
0: you got something coming out. No, I listen, I, I'm oh, just sitting here enjoying the story. I, I can't I want <laughs> I have a gazillion questions, of course, about how you deal with gossip and how you deal with doubts and how do you deal with other people's negativism along the way, because here's this little Mexican guy in Houston who's way too short and not even a good athlete. One day he wakes up and says, I, Ruben Gonzalez, am going to the Olympics. And I imagine anybody who hears you say that thinks, this guy's nuts. He should probably be locked up. And you hey, did it, man. You did it. You, you, uh, either, you, I, you know, I dedicate my yeah. show to you. Scotty and I just want to listen because that's a hell of a thing yeah. that you've done. So we're we're here Look, to take notes.
1: I, I, I pinch myself, okay? I mean, I got to play with a big voice four times and who knows, maybe one more. We'll see. But <laughs> I'll... Um, I... um it's funny, I played uh, I was born in Argentina. My dad was a chemical engineer with Exxon, and we moved to the states when I was six. We were in um in um, Jackson Heights, uh, Queens, New York, for a couple of years. then most of my life in Houston. I live in Colorado now. I never got used to that Houston heat and humidity but <laughs> but um, anyways. Uh, I played soccer. I played soccer all my life, right? Argentine boys were just soccer fanatics. Oh. And uh, you do anything long enough, you develop skills, right? By the and way, when I called
0: different. you a Mexican, I meant that you're a Latino and you live in the United States. And as no far lawyers. as I'm concerned, we're all Mexican.
1: <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> as, as, except next week when Argentina plays Mexico. then Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: You you got me there. Then the Mexicans can go sit in their own damn corner and drink all that tequila. We're going to be doing something else.
1: (laughs) I don't suffer with every Argentine game. I suffer with every Argentine pass. I mean, I... I, (laughs) I age in every one of those games. That's how much I care about it. I, I I love the World Cup 10 times more than the Olympics. But anyways, I play soccer. I'm pretty good with a soccer ball, but I'm a slowpoke. So I was always on the bench. Yeah, I was a walk-on at Houston Baptist University. They had an NCAA Division I so- soccer team. I walked on. I, I played five minutes a game. Coach said, you're a threat to our own team. You're too slow. You're holding us back. But I was on the team, right? And <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was 21 and I get all excited with Scott Hamilton. I'm telling the guy next to me on the bench, right, hey, I'm taking up the luge because I will be in the Olympics in four years. And he falls off the bench laughing, right? And it wasn't mocking, I think he true unbelief, right? And then I started realizing when I started seeing that that um, that response a lot, I thought, well, okay this is interesting. You know, uh, uh, there's two types of people in the world. They're either on your team or they're not on your team. And so the faster I can figure who's on my team, you know, the better it is. because You got to build yourself a dream team, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, A board of directors, right? For yourself. And so I started testing people, telling people that. And if they laughed at me, I disassociated from them because I didn't want their disbelief to erode my self-belief.
0: Negative right? thoughts, eliminate uh, negative yeah. thoughts, eliminate negative people. Rule yeah. number four, keep going, I love it. You got a you're number
1: do- and everything, you're, hey? doing,
0: you're, doing, I'm you're, you're doing my show for me, except you are the living embodiment of these uh, virtues that we're talking about. So regla
1: numero cuatro. <laughs> Dame numero no los locos. So. <laughs> sigue, so, uh, sigue. Por supuesto, querido. <laughs> and so, I just, dis, you disassociate with them. Okay. From them. And it's like secondhand smoke. You don't want that negative, you know, to infect your body. Yes. They have, they so have important. power. They have power to steal your dream, to get mm-hmm. you to stop believing. And you associate with the winners. And it got to the point where I could have filled a, a cheering section with the people that were, I was their link to their Olympics and they believed in me and they were my dream team. Right. And at first, I mean, it takes 10 years, roughly, to learn how to do the loop, 10 years to get the men's start. When I call Lake Placid and they finally yeah. accept, accepted me, they said, we're going to have to cram 10 years into just two years. You're going to get hurt a lot. okay? But we need to do that because the ne- last two years you have to be competing in the World Cup circuit to, to qualify. Only the top 50 get to go.
0: So where Dr. did you train? So, so where, I mean, you're, 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 I see this picture of you, this little Argentinian guy from Houston, Texas, tripping and falling all over the place. Where was this taking place? Uh Lake
1: Placid, Lake Placid, New York, was so the only track in North America back then in 1984.
0: So you picked and, up and and you picked up all your shit from Houston, Texas, moved to Lake Placid and started doing the Louvre every day for two years with well, your team.
1: I wish <laughs> I um uh, I I went uh, like 2 months after I saw Scott Hamilton. I'm in Lake Placid, uh training on wheels. It's the loose track. It's now no ice. So we're training on wheels and at 50 55 miles an hour. Uh, from the half point of the old bobsled track, all we're wearing is tennis shoes, shorts, and a t-shirt. Okay, in uh, a helmet, but that's just for decoration. That just you know make the lawyers happy. But you crash at that speed on the concrete, you know. It's, <laughs> we call it the weeding out process in the sport of luge. And uh, I did that for two weeks. Then I came back home, and every day I'm saving money. I'm I'm going to college, but I'm mowing lawns. I'm doing everything I can. Wow. I'm not going out on dates. I wouldn't take anyone even on to, to a dollar cinema. I waited till it was Tuesday night when it was 50 cents. And don't you think about ordering popcorn, right? <laughs> and and when the first cold front hit Houston around, around uh Halloween, that's when the tracks opened. I'd head back over there and I would train until I ran out of money. And I had many half seasons. You do, you got to be willing to do whatever you can you, and, and with what you have right now. Do what you can with what you have right now. Don't yeah. be waiting until everything's gonna be perfect. And so I did. And the first two years, I broke my foot twice, my knee, my elbow, my hand, thumb, a couple of ribs. My neck's a chiropractor's dream. They find things there they've never (laughs) seen before. (laughs) Because your head's hanging off the end of the sled, right? It's not supported. It's like a maraca going down the whole thing. And so, um, but I kept coming back. But it's funny when the guy tried to talk, I'm really happy that the guy tried to talk me out of it, right? Uh, He didn't candy coat it. And when I hung up, he told me you're gonna break bones okay i mean that's just the reality of it and i told him hey bring it on right i mean i'm a bulldog i don't quit and i hung up but as soon as i hung up the reality hit me i thought whoa he said i'm gonna break some bones it sounds like it's gonna be harder than i thought what am i gonna do how am i gonna handle it well I've broken bones before <laughs> you you wear a cast for six weeks uh, you take off the cast it's healed up and it's stronger than before so When you really think about it, it's just a temporary inconvenience. So I had a contingency plan. I knew how I was gonna handle you prepare for the worst and you pray for the best, right? But you prepare for the worst. Meanwhile, these other newbies in my in my group, uh, they're quitting because they got a bruise, right? I mean, uh out of the 15 that I got started with, I was the only one left by the end of the
0: yeah, and that's something that's going back to that word we talked about at the beginning: perseverance. Mm -hmm. There's a difference.
1: Yeah, and desire and, uh, and and discipline. Like you said, desire is the under. You know, uh, desire will make you do things, right? Did, so, so, so
0: it. did did you did you get to the Olympics? You did get to the Olympics, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I competed in the Calgary Olympics in nineteen eighty eight. It was the the cool runnings, right? The, the Jamaican <sighs> bobsledder. Yeah, of course, any uh, the Eagle. And me I'm the only one that doesn't have a movie yet but I, I think this I think this is gonna leap to my movie yes more people can read about it. I love it <laughs> and so anyways I actually have a script this guy wrote a script that says how come there's not a movie about you I, said, I don't know anyway I I digress
0: no <laughs> I, listen it's it's idiot. it's an amazing story because it's uh it's it's a goal uh set to a plan involving consistent discipline which leads you to uh, be able to accomplish what you wanted to. And in the process, you're knocking down all of these distractions and all of these other things. And as I'm listening to you, I'm sure as Scotty's listening to you, as perhaps someone else may be listening to you thinking, that plan that I watch you talk about is exactly what I would like to do with my plan, which could be just to change my job for something better, or start this car wash business, or become yeah. CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or get my medical yeah. degree—whatever it is—the the the, the, yeah, or the pay the,
1: off your credit cards, or you know, or or uh, lose 50 pounds—whatever your goal is. Fill in the blank. It's the same process. And um, so I uh, 88 Calgary. Then I did um, uh, Albertville, France, 1992. Mm-hmm. Then I quit for about six years. I was going to do other things. I saw Top Gun. I, I thought it was going to be a, a – I, I got my pilot's license, but that's as far as I went. And then my coach uh, talked me into coming back. Uh, five years before Salt Lake City, 2002, he says, uh, you need to come back. You'll know, you you'll regret it if you miss a U.S. Olympics or the best. And uh, I went. Uh, I talked my brother into coming and in five years, he, we made Olympic history. We, 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 we both competed in the, in, in the luge. He was a 30 uh, year old architect when he got started. Okay. <laughs> but, but he's mentally tough. And so I said, look, come out here and and give it a shot. And And he caught the dream and he started working out like a fiend and,
0: uh, what does I that it, mean but- what what is that? you just used a word that I want you to further define because I think it'll help me and others who are uh, at any time wondering what it takes you said mentally tough what is that Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story?
1: I'll give you an example, he's an architect and he went to the University of Houston. When he got started, I don't know what the numbers were but I know what the percentages were. Let's say there was 300 300 new architects, freshman architects Mm -hmm. and three quarters of them quit because it was too hard because it was too hard emotionally. They would work, I remember he would work 20 hours making these intricate models and then they turn it in and the professor would say, oh, this would look better here right? And then just ripped their heart out. And he, his thinking was, okay, come on, bring it on, baby. <laughs> I'll, I'll learn from, I'll learn from you and I'm the next one's going to be better. Is that, so but is that, but is that had, a
0: quality, but is that a quality you're born with or is that a quality that you condition yourself to uh, learn?
1: No, you develop that. And uh, our dad taught us this and I taught it to my kids. I mean, I always, ever since my kids were little, Little, I mean, six years old, I would tell him, hey, life is tough, okay? It's going to knock you on your knees. You're going to have bloody knees, okay, sometimes. It's unfair. But you know what? We're bulldogs around here, okay? No chihuahuas in this house. And he said, bulldogs, okay? You're going to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, get back in the game because we're champions and you're a champ. And their camp what, so what, what do you say to somebody uh, Ruben, who has
0: what do you say to somebody Reuben who has a tough time mustering that? Who is filled with uh, not the spirit, or maybe didn't get raised by a father like yours, who said you're amazing, you're great, you can do this, go out there, get them. Instead, maybe a father who, or a mother, or what, or no parents, no, or single mom, yeah. And as a result, they don't have that; it's not in their DNA. But they still want to achieve it. What? How how do you reconcile that with? Go ahead. There's
1: people who are homeless orphans i mean everything against them and they did it okay so you can't use that as an excuse if you're that person you as soon as you uh as as you uh start making excuses you you become the victim yeah. right mentally you've given up right zig ziglar used to say as soon as you you point your, your your finger to something else it's because of that you got three fingers pointing at you <laughs> right right and so you have to take responsibility and so it's funny that you say that i um uh, about three months ago, I spoke for this group, and before uh, we always have a, a short conversation, right? What What's your goal? What's your struggle? What are you looking to? You know, what do you want your people doing afterwards? And they said, uh, "Oh, our people are tired and they're worn out from COVID." And I thought, "What? I mean,
0: yeah, I hear that a lot.
1: I, it, it just it, it was weird. Okay, it it I, it, it, it confused me." And then I heard it again like a month later. And then I heard it again about a couple of weeks ago, right, Mm -hmm. before a big talk I did. And this is what I said to these, these people, right? I said, look, you might be tired. You might be worn out. But don't talk about it. Okay. Whatever you focus on gets bigger in your life. Okay. If you talk about, if you focus on the goal, you want to reach the goal. Sure. If you focus on, oh, 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 but I'm not a great athlete. Oh, but I'm a little bit out of shape. Oh, but, Then you, you, you quit.
0: You just quit. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to stop you again because you, you just gave another ah, pearl of wisdom. No, we got to write <laughs> this one down. Whatever you talk about, whatever you think about make gets bigger. And yeah. so you're right, people, and, and I, I just uh, want people uh, to understand that because right now in America, we are the prophets of making things bigger than they should be. And, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'll uh, for there's a great example of that, and I'm not gonna give his name because I don't want to get political. But for example, his name is Donald Trump, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, his initials are Donald Trump, but you know, we we, we create. Oh, it's that, or it's Biden, or it's inflation, or it's COVID, or it's the Democrats, or it's the high interest rates, or it's... We have our eyes on everything external and very little internal. And as a result, we make ourselves smaller and we make that ever that is that we're talking about, whether it's Biden or Trump or the Democrats or Pelosi or inflation or COVID or interest rates or the Fed... It's so big that it makes us very small. And that, <laughs> my friend, is the point you just made. And it, it's a very pertinent point at this particular time in our history in America. So continue once again. Sorry for the sight.
1: Bottom line, none of those guys and the economy and what's going on out there has, is ever going to have as much effect in your life than the effect that you can have in your own life. Correct, so, yes. So, you, you know, so, so tune them out, tune them out. Yeah, if it doesn't, yeah, you become. Uh, but we can't. So we, I mean,
0: we're going through this thing where it's like, um, it's you know, I I can't I can't succeed because because of Trump, the guy. It's the, the reason I'm not succeeding is because of Trump. Or oh, it's it's Biden. Look look at Biden's mm-hmm. policies. Biden's policies are not allowing me to get my, the store I wanted to start or buy the car that I wanted to buy, or you know what it is? It's this, this, this inflation thing, you know, most people don't even know what the hell inflation is, but all of a sudden that's the buzzword. And before that it was COVID. And you know, and, it's and, and if it's not yes, Biden, it's Pelosi. Literally. And you're, yeah. you're so right. We, we, we are excuse makers. The media feeds us this, 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 monopoly of excuses. And we get to pick whichever, Oh, I'll take one from column A and one from column B and these these will be my reasons for not being able to be successful. And that way then I can blame it on those reasons because mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept responsibility yeah. for staying up all night drinking or uh, getting up at noon. No, it's Pelosi's fault. It's <laughs> Trump's fault. It's Biden's <laughs> fault. Yeah, well, well
1: when people tell me that, I tell them, hey, when you're gonna pick an excuse why you couldn't reach your dream, make sure it's a really good one. You know why? Because <laughs> you're gonna have to live with it the rest of your mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I uh, so I told these guys. Um, that we're saying, you know, Hey, they're, they're tired and worn out. I said, okay, you may be tired and worn out. Don't, don't talk about that. Okay. Successful people talk about, and think about what they want and unsuccessful people talk about, talk, what talk they about, lack. And think about what they don't want, right? Yeah. Whatever you talk about and think about <laughs> becomes right. Comes about. And so I told them, think about a marathon race. Okay. Think about a marathon. Those guys are running like crazy, all right? I mean, the top guys are doing five-minute miles for 26 miles. I mean, it's ridiculous. And um, at mile 20, I guarantee you every single one of them is really tired and worn out. And at mile 25, they're even more tired and more worn out. But you know what happens the last half, half mile? All the winners, they start sprinting. right? Right. Because they're focused on winning. They're not focused on how tired they are. On the finish line. They're thinking about the finish
0: line, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, and I I also told them, look, if you're a leader, don't tell, don't, don't bring that stuff up. Okay. Don't bring that. Just tell your people, just praise them, man, you're such a great worker. I believe in you. You got what it takes. I knew it the minute I saw you. Okay. And I appreciate your work ethic. And and so that, you know, that changes their, their mindset and their, their self-image. Right and so I don't I I tell I never tell my kids they're smart. Don't tell them they're smart because then they think they're all right. They stop taking chances. No, I always praise their work ethic. Man, you're such a hard worker. You outwork the competition, man. I mean, they may catch you, but they're gonna have their tongue dragging, mm. right? And they're like little workaholics, right? Mm. Great. And so. But but you instill that right? Well, you know, so you know why? You know why? And you know
0: and you know why? It. Let me just back that up a little bit because y- you and I come from similar backgrounds. I think we're both, in fact, all three of us. I think are overachievers. Um, and I've always believed, and I'll, I'll I'll share this maxim with you, that is in my own life, um, especially for a guy like me. I mean, a poor immigrant guy who grew up as a refugee, came to the United States, no money. My parents had nothing. And somehow I was able to become the, you know, anchor who interviewed all these presidents and grew this business and all this stuff. But, you know, you know what it is. This is the one thing you can control. You cannot control people who are going to be faster than you. Because. God made them faster. There are going to be people who went to the finest schools in the world and they will likely have more knowledge than you because you couldn't afford to go to an Ivy League school. There will be people who are going to be bigger than you, taller than you, like in your case. There will be people who are better athletes than you. There are people who will be more educated than you. All of those things are things that you can't control, but there is one thing, There's one thing in life that we can control above all others, work. You can do more work than the next guy. Whether the guy happens to be an Ivy Leaguer who's got beautiful blonde hair and gorgeous blue eyes and he's six foot four, and he comes from a family of wealth, and everything is there for him, and you are just the opposite of all those things, but you're both in the same location or in the same company, but he's going to go home every day at five o'clock, and you're going to stay there till seven or eight, and he's going to punch in every day at nine, or maybe 9.30, or maybe 10, but you're going to get in at eight or maybe seven, and he's going to take a lunch break, And you're not. You're going to eat your lunch sitting at your desk, making sure you get your work done. That you can control. The ability to spend more energy and work a little harder is the one thing about everything else that we can control that is really the great equalizer. Or as those of us who are Latino, who, by the way, work on average 42 hours a week compared to (laughs) non-Latinos in America who work 33, it's actually more than the great equalizer. Uh It's the great yeah. maximizer. That's an yeah. important part of the story. That's the that's part of the story you're yeah. sharing with us, Ruben. You know? And, uh,
1: you know, I have a friend. Uh, my, well, actually, let me not even go there. Um, yeah, I, I do have a friend, though. I have at least one friend. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so I did Calgary. Okay, this story
0: is going to be and, good.
1: I don't know. Then <laughs> Salt Lake City. <laughs> In Salt Lake, I was 39. I walk into the Olympic village and I felt like a dad uh going to visit his kids in college, right? Because everybody else is in their 20s. And on top of that, everybody's asking me, So what are you coaching? I says, No, I'm an athlete. They look at me up and down and says, Come on, what are you coaching? They didn't believe me, right? And so I was in Salt Lake. Then I quit uh for, for another six or seven years and I got the itch again, started training for Vancouver. In Vancouver, I was 47. By then, they thought I was coach's dad. Okay, <laughs> and the other coaches are saying, "Do it for the old guys." <laughs> Leading up to to Vancouver, I might have a, like a Q uh, and A after a, a keynote, and they would always ask the same thing: "Are you going to win a medal?" I mean, with that attitude of yours, you are going to win a medal, right? I said, man, I, I don't even know that I'm gonna make it yet. Okay. I, I think my chances of making it, because now it's top 40 would get to go. It keeps keeps getting harder. And uh I said, I think it's like a 50% chance that I'm gonna make it, okay? But I'm gonna do whatever it takes till the last minute. On December 31st, they tally up the last two years of World Cup races. I was 42. 42, top 40 got to go. Oh. But you can't quit, right? The Olympics are in February. So I'm I'm still training. The fastest track was in Vancouver. It was actually in Whistler, and so I went to Park City, second fastest track. I figured, hey, let's just get ready. You never know, if somebody breaks a leg. Now I'm 41. Somebody gets appendicitis. Now I'm 40. But if but if that happens, I gotta be ready. Three weeks before the Olympics, I'm speaking to some salespeople in uh, Minneapolis, and I told them, you know what? If you believe, right, don't don't tell me what you believe. Actually, right. What you do shows me what you believe, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I believe? I believe I'm going to make it. You know what I did upstairs in my hotel room before I came to talk to you guys? Right. I bought four non-refundable tickets to Vancouver for my wife and our kids and me. Non-refundable on purpose because if you believe something's going to happen, you jump and the net will appear, all right? Mm-hmm. And I got a little golf clap that day, right? They didn't buy it. I, I, I definitely believe more than they did. I go back to my hotel room, open up the laptop. There's a message that says, You made it. Norway decided not to send their three guys who were in the top 40. Okay. But Norway goes to win. Okay. They won more medals than any other country in the Winter Olympics. And so if you're from Norway, they will only send you if you're top 20, right? Their standard is higher than the Olympic standard. So I got bumped up at the Olympic ceremonies. Man, I wanted to carry Norwegian flag, right? They held me more than anybody. That's why I have, see, see behind me. Mean? I got a Norwegian flag there. I got one up there. I got one by my espresso machine. So that's machine. how
0: you made it to the last Olympics.
1: Yeah, Great. yeah, that's with convenient. a little help, with a lot of help from <laughs> my Norwegian friends. Oh yeah. my so god! I have those flags to remind me, right? Don't get a fat head. Hey, you but I'm, you I'm, were doing, I'm, doing I'm, the
2: right I'm, thing the whole time. You kept doing oh, yeah. the right thing. You never. Yeah. That, and that—that's so important. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing. I'm gonna have so have many people would be discouraged. I'm gonna
0: have Ludafisk tonight on your behalf. <laughs> because I <laughs> want to celebrate the Norwegian with my tacos and my tequila. There you
1: go. <laughs> you know, I
0: got to tell you, Ruben, we're out of time, or just about out of time, but you are one of the most inspirational people that I've met in a long time. I, I, just, I just think it's so important to talk to people like you. When I watched you on your TED Talk, for example, I, I could just see so much of myself and so much of so many other people who are like us, you know, Uh, In you, Um, you know, you're the unconsequential guy who wasn't supposed to do what you did, and yet you were able to do it. It, It's so easy when you grow up as an insider, you know, when your dad's rich or when you went to Ivy League schools or when you've had everything in your life handed to you. And of course, you're going to be able to accomplish things. But it's it's guys like you, you know, it's 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 those of us who have to toil a little more, who have to dream a little more who have to think beyond what's around us and make a good plan and have that consistent discipline to be able to, you know, make that dream come true. That's what I want to share with people. Those are the stories that we want to tell because that's what moves me. Give them hope. Give them hope. Yeah. Take away their
1: excuses. Whenever I speak to any group, my goal is I want to do for them, what Scott Hamilton did for me, take the excuses away. And if you're watching this guys, I hope, I really hope uh, that by now you realize I'm just an ordinary guy, okay? I'm like your neighbor,
2: but I got
1: to do some extraordinary things and I'm doing some more in the future because I persistently and consistently follow success principles, right? Mm -hmm. And I had that discipline that you talk about. And, uh, And you do that, people start calling you lucky.
0: (laughs) 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 That's great.
2: Call me. Can I just, I I just want to say something real quick to Ruben. One thing you said earlier that really, it really hit me. And I think it's so important because it's almost like the first step. And I I wish I would have known this when I was 18, as opposed to learning it at, in my mid to late twenties, you said, I know I wanted to be an Olympic and for Olympian in four years. Now I just have to figure out a sport, man. I, at 18 I wanted to get into I wanted to get into entertainment and media so bad. I just didn't know what field or where to start. And because of that, I didn't. And it wasn't until my mid 20s where I finally realized and and you know, got enough motivation and everything where, "Hey, radio that's going to be for me. That's where I want." And I went to school and, and and you know, 15 years later I'm still here, but so many people quit because they kind of know what they want, but they don't know the exact they can't spot take of that what, first step. They can't get that first step. And yeah. for you to say that, that, Hey, I know I want to be an Olympian in four years. Pfft, I just got to find a sport. Most people <laughs> would quit right there. And that's just so, I mean, just to have the, the fortitude, just to be able to, to figure that out and come, Oh God, it gave me chills when you said that early, I wrote it down and uh, it's, I mean, you said a lot of amazing things here, but that right there is just, cause that's like the first step yeah. of, of most people quitting right there. Yeah. I yeah. know I want to be this, but. I don't yeah, think but, I could.
1: But, do it for yeah. real. So you know what you do? Because I always tell people, uh, you got to find somebody. My dad always said, if you're going to cross a minefield, it makes sense to follow somebody's already crossed it. Find the mentor, find the coach, find yeah. somebody. And I always get pushback. They always say, oh, but they're so busy. You know, I don't want to impose. I tell them, you know why, uh, how they always say successful people, they're not happy, they're unfulfilled, they're always looking for something else. Yeah. He goes, you know why that is? Because success is the silver medal, okay? The gold medal is significance. That means you help somebody else succeed. That's what you guys are doing through this show. That's what all three of us do, right? And so if you just approach as long as you're going to take action, okay? If it's just something you'd like to do, forget it. But if you're serious and you're going to take immediate action on what they teach you, do it for their sake. Because Mm. they'll help you get the the silver medal. You'll help them get the gold. And I guarantee you, you probably become best friends. So that's how it works. And then you find the next person and the next person. Final question. Final
0: Final question. Did you meet Scott Hamilton? And (laughs) when you did, what did you say? Look, this is the back of my book that I was telling you. See
1: down there? Look how little he is. (laughs) There he is. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was earlier this year. But almost forty years later. For wow. those of
0: you, for those of you uh, uh, listening to our, our podcast, you couldn't see that picture, but it's uh, Scott Hamilton with Reuben, and Reuben looks like the Jolly Green Giant next to this uh, small. I'm not that tall. Okay, I'm like six feet tall, but he's 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 bald as a uh, as a ice cube, and uh, he's. <laughs> a little guy with the heart of gold, who was able to destroy everyone in the Olympics, and yeah. that set the path for you. So, what what did you tell right. him? What did he say? What was the meeting like?
1: Well, what he's a speaker too. He he's, he does many things, but I one thing I told him is I told him, look, uh, what I just said earlier. You know, I want to be my audience's Scott Hamilton, and he got a little choked up. He said, oh, "Dude, man, that you humbling me, right?" And he got a little choked up, and he changed. Subjects real quick, right? It's like, uh, how
0: about those Mets, right? That's great. Yeah. Typical guy. Yeah. That's what we do. Ruben Gonzalez. Oh, my God. Motivational speaker, Olympian, business expert. If someone wants to reach out to you, Ruben, what do they do?
1: The, well, actually back there, uh, the shortcut book, the shortcutbook.com.
0: The shortcutbook.com. Okay. Yeah. The shortcutbook.com.
1: You go there, you'll, You'll learn about my book. You can hear the first few chapters, hear me read them to you. Uh, you can watch that TED talk that it was, it was based on that TED talk that I did. And, um, and that's just one page of my big giant website. So uh, that's
0: great. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah and you if you google Ruben Gonzalez and put uh, Olympian, Olympian it'll it'll yes, pop or put lose or put whatever you'll know, he'll pop up right away in his website his webpage is very prolific and very beautifully done and easy easy to navigate as well but uh, wow what a what a great conversation again inspirational growth oriented aspirational these are the things we do this is the Rick Sanchez podcast we're here as a part of Agua Media not just myself but 10 other podcasts, which are going to be a part of our Agua family. And you can just go there by going to aguamedia.com, aguamedia.com. And of course, this podcast lives ubiquitously, so you could find it on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you happen to see one of our clips that we put up from time to time on YouTube, then be sure and subscribe. You got it. Dolly. Ándale, vamos con todo. I'm Rick Sanchez. This is the Rick Sanchez Podcast for Scotty and for Ruben. See you next time. Agua.